0: Journey goes ever on with The Long Road. This episode, some well-trousered yearnings. Uh, The songs that never should have been, perhaps, this week, along with The Roads Never Travelled. We take a look at songs we've been involved with, or songs we've written that perhaps shouldn't have been, or at the least are best consigned to the bargain bins of history. Uh, And we conjure up memories of what routes we could have taken, had music not been our draw. Uh, Kev covers more kilometres on his trek along the Camino, Steve brings the spirit of the naked juggler back and the bishop, that's me, I finally get round get it, to bagels get it? The Vagabond Way podcast featuring the long road is exploring the world of the troubadour the adventure of the vagabond the world isn't beige, it isn't process. it's authentic, it's rich and it's real if those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up then hop on board we are embracing all of those things we're we'll celebrating all of that and we'd love it if you joined us on the journey Greetings, I am Chris the Bish Leiden. Welcome to the show. So what is going on in the land of the Long Road? Well, as you'll hear more about in this show, and a little bit next week as well, uh, we got to do a live gig together, the three of us. Um, live streamed out into the internet land. Um, it's up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash thelongroadband, uh, and Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash UK If you want to have a look-see, um, it features five brand new songs, never performed... Before songs, plus uh, a bunch of others from our American Wilderness Odyssey album that's been out for a few weeks now. Um, the brand new songs are starting to come out on the Spotify, etc. as well. Uh, Washed Away and Something's Got to Change are out now, um, and the final two, Down Here at the Crossroads and This Strange Motel, are coming out very soon. So I mean, it was superb to be able to perform again as a band. It's been. Over a year since we last did it, um, although it was weird to be performing to a basically empty room. Um, sort of the weird sense of talking into the void that I get when I'm on a, a Zoom call, or indeed sometimes when I'm recording these bits for this podcast. <laughs> um, but Amplified a a hundredfold when there's there's three of you bashing away at this music in an empty theatre. Almost a bit spooky, really. Anyway, uh, we're thrilled that we'll be performing live again in just over a week at the Festival of the Artisan, uh, alongside some of the best in UK acoustic musicians, Bella Hardy, Lil Roosters, Elaine Davidson, Blair Dunlop, as well as our fabulous Artisan Club session hosted by our own Kev Moore, featuring four upcoming artists who each have their own stories to tell. So, Friday the 26th of March and Saturday the 27th of March at festivaloftheartisan.co.uk. That's the place to be. All live-streamed worldwide. You can still get hold of your virtual backstage passes to get access to exclusive videos from the artists, signed merchandise, discount codes with our sponsors, and much more. Head to festivaloftheartisan.co.uk to get yours today. On to today's hashtag podcast content. It's actually quite coherent today, um, with even perhaps a moment of insightful social commentary uh, for those who like such things. As usual, for this three way chat between Steve Bonham, Kev Moore, and myself, I am going to hand over to me. Greetings. You join the long road as we are together again for another of our three-way chats. Uh, thanks to the, the wonders of the internet. We've got Steve at home in Derbyshire. Hello, Steve. Pajambo. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Say it again. Pajambo. Pajambo. Hmm. Uh, don't know what that is. Kev, any ideas what that one is? No
1: idea. It sounds um, like the title of an album by The Grays, but I doubt whether that's <laughs> what he <meant. laughs> Go on, Steve. What
0: language is that? Uh, Swahili. Swahili? Swahili, Swahili yes. Yeah.
1: And it's a way of saying hello to older people. Okay. Uh, it might actually also be the title of the album that I'm thinking of. I'm
0: thinking yeah, of well, yeah, maybe it is. Yeah. And we've got Kev at home. Um, well, no, not at home. Kev is in his ancestral home. Yeah, my ancestral It's <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. Uh, Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. There we go. Nice bit of Japanese there. Good. Now, I, I'm, I often wonder whether you guys really prepared that or whether you just remember at this moment, oh, yeah, he's going to ask us to say hello in a silly language, isn't he? And whether you just pu- pull some no, out that, of the bag. That, that I one I was prefer... pulled out
1: of the bag, actually, because I hadn't prepared anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: so today we thought we'd talk a little bit about some sort of, I suppose, disasters in our lives, I suppose. Yeah. What's What's the worst song we've ever we've ever been involved in or ever written. Uh, and I, I know for a fact that Steve's got some clangers up his sleeve. Oh, yeah. um, Steve, what, what about yours?
2: What's truly sad about this, about this whole process? If you said, go and find the lyrics for the following song, I would go to my old studio and in a big egg box, there would still be it there, which is really yes. frightening. And I don't know what bit of me thought <laughs> it was worth keeping a song called... Your mother wouldn't like what I'm doing to you. Um, but,
0: uh... <laughs> I mean, I've heard rumours of this song for approximately 15 years now. Yeah, and I, I'm I, I, tell us some more about it.
2: Yeah, I wrote it with Tim, uh, and uh, the great thing about writing with Tim was that we did. You know, it was fairly straightforward, and I don't know. I can't. I and I can't and shouldn't remember the complete genesis of the song. Uh, and and I don't think it involves me, so you can do your own calculation. Um, Yeah, it went, your mother wouldn't like what I'm doing to you. She'd lose her mind if she only knew. You said it yourself so you know it's true. (laughs) Ooh. And I think that ooh was
0: especially useless.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: The ooh was a slice of real life there. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Ooh. vital, oh, yeah. vital. Oh, there. Did this song ever get recorded, Steve? I mean Funny
2: enough, when we tried it out with people, they didn't immediately warm to it. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't actually predatory song, I should have to say. It yeah. was it was just naff. You know, there's a big yeah, difference yeah, between predatory yeah. and naff.
1: You, you wouldn't file it under social commentary then, or
2: it, I, I did think I was probably responsible for the lyric, but Tim used to write these wonderful stream of consciousness things. He had another yeah. song called The Bike Song. Oh, God, yes. Which was about him falling off his bike on his way to see his girlfriend. And uh, it has something, let me see if I can remember. It was sad to say, I can actually remember the lyrics. <laughs> as I pedaled up her driveway, my wheels went round and round. I hit, hit a stone, fell off my bike, and banged my head as I hit the ground. <laughs>
0: Now, if this isn't a meta- metaphor, I'm going to say, say there's such a is. euphemism there. I mean, as I peddled
1: up, <laughs> as I peddled up her driveway, couldn't.
0: <laughs> And I can see Tim delivering that with deadpan <laughs> sincerity, <laughs> and you wonder why the folk scene back in the eighties thought you guys were a bit rogue. <laughs> <laughs> Turning up talking about the bicycle song, and
1: I've got e- equally equally horrific um, exhibits go on, go for on. this. I'm afraid <laughs> for what, for some reason, I, at the age of probably about fourteen or even less, when I knew nothing of such matters, I, I wrote a song about. I must have been watching Brian Rick's farces or something, but I, I wrote a song called Quick Down the Fire Escape.
2: You did. Which was
1: literally uh, Quick Down the Fire Escape, Out Through the Wardrobe Door. That's what you said to me. And it was about being caught in flagrante by somebody's husband. And I'm thinking <laughs> well, well, where did that come from at that age? You know. Yeah, that was an unusual. One. I've just had the most amazing
2: flashback. So yeah. I can remember. Hearing that song. So it actually it got over the threshold of being Oh it did, it got played. It had a good riff.
1: I can sing you the melody. Da, 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 da,
2: da, da, yeah. There's a few songs. The Well Trousered Yearnings of the Teenage Boy, there. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: <laughs> did you say The Well Trousered Yearnings? He did say. I did. The Well Trousered Yearnings. And I, I think we've got our title. <laughs> yes. There we go. The
2: Well
1: Trousered
0: Yearnings.
2: <laughs> I'm reassured, though, that Kev also remembers this stuff. That, that is, I thought it was <laughs> yeah. just
0: me. No, no. <laughs> but, I remember all the lyrics. And the, the the other topic that sort of entered our brains this week was what what other roads haven't been wandered? What might have been had our lives taken a separate path? The, the careers that we might have had had we not become, you know, the, the vagabonds that we have and doing all the wild and various things that we do. I mean, Kevin, I can't remember, but I, I vaguely recall that you you used to work at a power station. or something I were, did. When you were I, a did teenager. I did work at a
1: power station, which was horrific, really, but... It was where, where my dad worked, but he worked in the instrument maintenance department. And I I sat in an office. Now, I mean, you've both known me long enough now to know that putting me in an office is probably <laughs> quite a strange place for somebody like me to be. So yeah. I, I did slowly sort of die by degrees during my yeah. three years there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I remember that, that time of life, you know, where you're just leaving school and we had at John Port, you know, the careers convention. And I remember it being recommended to me uh, that I should go into insurance. Why? And where, the, where mm. they got that suggestion from, given A, my academic achievements or not, yeah. and, and my interests at school, which were basically art and music, uh, I really don't know. And I remember going for interviews for my first proper job. And one was at a, an estate agent, or lawyers or something, in, and it was on St. James's Street. And I remember going into the offices and there were very Victorian, dark, wood-panelled know. And mm-hmm. I kind of saunter in there and, 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 oh, come in more, sit down yes. more. And I thought, <laughs> I thought, and that was me done then. I'm not one for authority, you know. And I, I thought, you, you can't call me that, you know, I've got a first name. Going more, yeah. I am like, I'm not, this is like going back to school, you know. So, well, it's
0: it's, it's a power play, isn't it? I mean, yeah. a, a slight sidebar on that: the um, doing the work in prisons, the prison officers call all the prisoners by their surnames, and it's a big power play. Yeah. It's a way of reasserting subconsciously that there is this Hierarchy. difference in power. Yeah, and, yeah, it, yeah. and it really, it really grated on me and my colleague that runs the project with me. And right from the start, we've always gone with first names wherever we or what we go with, whatever they prefer to be known as. Yeah, if yeah. the lad prefers to be called as. I mean, some people just grow up with a nickname that is their name for the entire of their life. Yeah, exactly. Life. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like my, like my friend Gaz. His real name's Stephen, but we've, we, I've called him Gaz for twenty years now, and I will forever call him Gaz. Yeah. Um. So he, he's okay with that. But, uh, but, and it's based on his surname. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that power player, I've always, I've always found that someone does that. I'm a bit like, ooh, edgy. Right, go on then. What, what the, what are, the, what are the careers might have been for either of you? My final one was as I
1: was about to leave the power station. I, I literally had a, a, a fork in the road and it was go and join Apollo and uh, become a professional musician in Scandinavia yeah. or go to New Zealand and work as a radio researcher with my uncle uh, in New Zealand broadcasting. Oh, wow. So it was oh, wow. that time. Ty- that, that was the crossroads, which would have been probably quite cool and I certainly wouldn't mind being over there now compared to here from a COVID perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, that was the other choice.
2: Steve, what about you? Mixed, really. (laughs) Mixed. I had this terrible careers teacher, Kev might have come across him, called Mr Hertzberg. That's him! That's the guy! (laughs) That's the guy that said become an insurance man. Bloody Hertzberg.
1: Oh, my God. he,
2: (laughs) He didn't really have a full grasp of, I don't know, anything that was, you know, any aspirational... And he wanted me to be a town and country planner. And he was very insistent. It was a good job because I didn't have to go to university. Talk about keeping people in their place. Yeah. Good grief. But then, you know, I became an ice cream man. Uh and then I then I sort of I went off to America and I did this kind of weird six, seven months there hanging out in California. And when I got back I had no idea what want to do but the government gave me a job. You are just the person we need at co- the cooperative wholesale society uh stock accountant right. and oh. uh so i I went to work for the cooperative wholesale society and we used to distribute seeds and things and in my case it, there was a big push on potatoes and it all came to a rather sticky end because um I misread uh I misread kilograms for tons uh, and I got this hysterical phone call from this poor woman up in the northeast of Scotland, and I won't even attempt to do it saying I cannot get into my shop because of the potatoes, and I'd sent they the driver just turned up and left twenty five tons of potatoes. <laughs> On the outskirts of it, much you could get in and it was... This was is a
1: constant hard. with you, Steve, is it? Didn't you do this recently with peanut butter, if I remember correctly? <laughs> <laughs> you, you do, That's but funny. you find your way eventually. I, I spent
2: a lot of time avoiding being a musician. Kevin was much clearer. That was... I wish I'd had that, his guts, really. I've done an awful yeah. lot of things, many of which I have to say I've enjoyed, and I think they help Musically, but yeah, it's now I'm doing it all the time. It's it's much more comfy. I can let go of the perils of Mr. Hertzberg. I mean, yeah. the other thing about Mr. Hertzberg, the the now uh, very very eminent professor of history at Emory University in Atlanta, who was also in our school, was strongly recommended that he should not go to university and become a quantity surveyor. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that was the days. He always gets the most boring job. My dad did it. It wasn't boring. uh, But then again, he probably did it differently to most corn surveyors,
1: knowing him. (laughs) Uh, To uh... quote Monty Python, did he do it via lion taming? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) This is a man who,
2: towards the end of his life, would uh, phone the Cats Protection League and complain there was a cat in his garden. (laughs) (laughs) gig last week. Not on my own, but with with the gang, with the boys, with the long road. How special was that? On stage, with lights and microphones. No audience, of course. Just a dark space and three or four sets of eyes staring out of it. It was a strange experience. Very odd. But the second we got the countdown to go live, the online broadcast. Something came over me. I felt alive. I felt in myself. I felt the words tumble forth in my usual jumbled up, mixed up way. I was in another place again. And that's odd. I'd forgotten that magic. You see, deep down I'm an introvert. I find being Socially gracious, difficult. But then I'm not alone. It is quite astonishing the number of actors and performers who regard themselves as introvert or very shy. Extraordinary. Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Julia Roberts, Meryl Streep, Clint Eastwood, Harrison Ford. Some of those watching them being interviewed on something like Graham Norton, I can spot that. I can spot that slight desperation in their eyes of the messiness of the social situation around them, a longing for the script, for the line between performer and audience, for the dependability of the director. Why are so many actors introverts? I guess the usual answer is they're attention-seeking. They like to be the centre of attention. I've always thought that was a lie. I've always thought that is, cannot be the reason that people perform. I know, I think for introverts in particular, it's a way over the threshold into being truly who they are. It's about... Letting go of stuff. Letting go of inhibition. Letting go of how I should be. And devoting yourself to the moment. Of course this seems counterintuitive, almost contradictory. Playing a part is a way to be yourself. But watch Tom Hanks, who a self-declared introvert, run through his many accents and imitations and jokes and creating a space inside him thereby to be Tom Hanks. You're silencing the inner critic, turning down the inhibition. You're not having to fight the extroverts for airtime. You're not having to cross the line into unstructured space where anyone can say or do anything. A place where you feel you have to break in. To perform is to liberate yourself from this holding. It's a letting go. Actually, some psychological research says if you ask an introvert to act happy, to put on the cloak of happiness and be, as it were, somebody else. They actually are happier. A while back I wrote a song called The Naked Juggler. It's about that stepping over the line to perform something we have done time immemorial for our betters. And we're faced with the problem of keeping our balls in the air and our vulnerability well hidden, it was good to be back. He's the naked juggler, lost his tricks and entrances, an idiot in role. He's the fool out on that highway, smile and desperation, completely out of control. She's the clown upon some thin ice An immediate present danger of completely falling through Applause was never what she asked for She loved to leave the circus and on the new We'd never say it should end this way Afraid to go, don't wanna stay Put make up on, you can't go wrong If you sing, sing, sing Sing this song With a chorus in a burlesque show pay In painted grease and powder Singing out a tune Stage school soldiers without generals Afraid of spoken mirrors The harlot and the loon We'd never say It should end this way Afraid to go Don't wanna stay Put your make-up on Can't go wrong if you zing, 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 sing this song. Sing, 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 sing this song. We're all trapped in the footlights. Not for us, the trooper, not for us the spark. Singing out some gaudy serenade. Someone else's poetry, and us has come a lot. Juggler. Lost his tricks and entrances, an idiot didn't roll He's the fool out on that highway Smile and desperation, completely out of control He's the naked juggler He's the naked juggler He's the naked juggler He's the naked juggler
1: Hello again and welcome to Kev's Café Corner, where you join me once more on my Camino journey across northern Spain. You may remember, dear listeners, that you left me wondering whether I'd get out alive from the strange hostel in Aviles, run by a peculiar little man who looked like a Terry Pratchett Hobbit ZZ Top Hybrid. As I finally got into my sleeping bag that night, I could hear the strains of a completely over-the-top Spanish soap opera through the paper-thin walls on the TV next door. Somehow I fell asleep, but when I awoke around 5.30am, the soap opera was still playing. My mind began to play tricks on me. Was the soap opera, on continuous loop, playing on a TV in front of the long-dead corpses of forgotten tenants? I didn't plan on hanging around to find out and coaxed some hot water out of the shower, threw open the shutters at 8am on Wednesday October the 14th to reveal rain-soaked streets three floors below. I held out hope there would be some uplifting scenery to carry me along today's 25 kilometres. Aviles was a little easier to escape than Gijon, though not before I'd stopped in a great little cafe for a bacon, egg and cheese baguette, hot chocolate and complimentary churros. I was almost out of town when I was stopped by a guy who seemed most perturbed that I wasn't on the actual Camino. He was about to offer me a lift, but I declined, saying it's cool. He drove off, shaking his head in despair, probably convinced that I was going to hell. I always end up back on the Camino eventually, but today did take a little longer. To my delight, it was once again lovely scenery, a direct contrast from the day before – Torrential rain would explode from the skies with no warning and then, just as suddenly, beautiful warming sunshine would replace it. I gave up scrambling for my poncho or looking for somewhere to unhook my rucksack for the manoeuvre. It just wasn't worth it. A few minutes later I'd be having to take it off again. I became at peace with the vagaries of the weather knowing that if I got soaked for half an hour three minutes later the sun would be along to dry me. Unhealthy, perhaps, but far less hassle. One such downpour found me racing for a farm outbuilding where I promptly put my foot in what felt like a lake. Seconds later, my hat dropped in it too. You've got to laugh. The next downpour got me just before one of the ancient wash houses and I ran for cover. I slipped off my wet things, changed my shirt and made a coffee while the heavens opened. There followed a fantastic hour or two of sunshine and I made good headway towards Soto del Barco where I had some tortilla to fuel the last leg. I've been noticing less cows of late and more horses and it's a little sad that the tinkling of cowbells is now replaced by the barking of everyone's dogs as I walk past. It's not easier on the ear. My feet were starting to ache as I made the last couple of kilometres and I was glad to be safe and sound in my room when the heavens opened with a vengeance yet again. I settled in for the night and began to look for a way to split the next leg of my journey into two somehow. It was too far to do in one go. Next time, I meet the bike vanguard. See you later. (music)
0: I've reached Marvel Cinematic Universe levels of teasing and story arc with this Bishop's Daily Bread entry this week. I can't even remember when I first said I was going to explore this avenue Uh, but it was a while ago that is for sure. So this week I have experimented with making bagels for the first time. Now I'll be honest, I'm not 100% sure I know exactly what a proper good bagel should be. I think I've had one. I remember when I was in New York many, many years ago, uh, I thought, well, I've, I've got to have a proper bagel, haven't I? Um, and quite in- intimidating was the um, was this particular bagel shop as well. It's the sort of place where you were kind of expected to know the exact, precise syntax of your order. Uh, and if you didn't, you were basically holding them up. Uh, there was a queue, um, and that itself reminded me of the sandwich shop at the the precinct at Manchester University, where you just had to know that your opening statement to the sandwich maker was large white or small brown, please. Um, you you picked that up in the, in the line in the queue if you were sensible. Woe betide you if you didn't. Anyway, so I've probably had a real, proper, properly made bagel. Um, there's a certain chew to them, and perhaps not so much of a crunch to the outside. Chew seems to be the overriding adjective that floats around re-bagels. Uh, now when I've seen them made on TV, on Bake Off or whatever, There always seems to be some weird alchemy going on, which I do not understand. You know, you make the dough, and as far as I can see, a fairly sort of usual bread dough. I I just went for plain white bagels as my first attempt. No need to sort of overcomplicate things, I feel. Um, Make it, leave it to rise. Divide it into balls. Now, here is where a sort of divergence happens, perhaps, in the sort of approaches. The recipe I had said you... Get your dough ball, then you poke your finger through the middle of the dough ball, and then stretch it out to to form the ring. <laughs> Forgive me while I just edit out some childish sniggering at this point. So uh, this I duly did. Um, you know, finger through the ball. Um, other recipes, I'm sure I've seen them roll out the dough into a into a long sort of thin log, and then hoop it up and massage the joint together. Anyway, um, the dough balls had been ringed. They were resting. Uh, now the bit that puzzles me 100%. You know, you get a pot of boiling water, a couple of tablespoons of bicarbonate of soda in it. What? And then you boil the bagels for a minute on each side before you put them in the oven. Like, what does this boiling bit do? What happens here? The recipe suggested this is what makes the chew happen. It's a mystery to me. Anyway, my bagels boiled uh, and then baked. Uh, and they, they turn now a, a fair bit darker than I was expecting, actually. the um, And the skin wasn't the sort of smooth skin I was expecting. It was much rougher. Um, I'm not 100% sure that I've got it totally down. But they, they cut, well, a bit of crunch to them, which I like. don't know if it's traditional or not, but I liked it. Um, and indeed, they did have a bit of a chew to them. Um, so I'm pretty pleased, really. A nice first attempt. Uh, and perhaps now I can finally get some sleep at night. As I no longer have this nagging feeling that I'd been neglecting my faithful Bishop's Daily Bread audience, you at home can be at peace. Bagels have been made. <laughs> that's it for this week thank you for listening wherever in the world you are don't forget to subscribe to the podcast we're on apple podcasts soundcloud spotify amazon podcasts and now youtube as well the next episode will be out next friday Join us on YouTube for the Transatlantic Connection show and become part of the Transatlantic Connection movement. Head to youtube.com/slash/the-long-road-band. If you fancy buying us a coffee, you now can at buymeacoffee.com/slash/the-long-road-band. It's dead simple to just drop us a few quid to support what we do. It even accepts Apple Pay and Google Pay. Super easy. Uh, all of our music and merch is on Bandcamp, where you can help support a positive ecosystem for the music industry. Downloads, streaming, vinyls, CDs, the companion book—it's all there. The Long Road Band. Bandcamp.com. We're on Patreon at patreon.com thevagabondway. Big thank you to our Patreons and a special shout-out to Orla Flynn, James Lydon, Stuart Lydon, Yvette Lydon, and Trish Taylor. Thank you for your ongoing support. If you'd like to support us, become a vagabonder. You'll get free digital stuff and merchandise in the post if you want it. Help us create something different, something that entertains, and something that inspires others. So join us on the journey and release the vagabond within. Patreon.com thevagabondway. Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers, for joining us on The Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't page. It's authentic, it's rich and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with The Long Road. Bye for now.